All right, welcome to another episode of Kiwiscan Stories, where neighbors meet neighbors. Today we have Jackie Bros Kellogg. He's a Kiwi Scanner since 1975. Before we do that, before we get to know Jackie, we have a quick word from our sponsor. The Academy of Martial Arts in Kibiscane, more commonly known as RDCA, is proud to have served this island paradise for 27 years. RDCA is a family-run business headed by Sensei Robert Dusoglu with his daughter and son, Morgan and Derek, both senseis as well. They use the martial arts, elite conditioning, and life quest, their guided self-enlightenment course, to forge a stronger you. With over 100 plus years of combined martial arts experience between the Dusoglu senseis, RDCA provides a holistic approach to self-defense, covering a unique blend of stand-up, close-quarter combatives, technical groundwork, weapons training, and traditional forms. Over 3,000 students have walked through the doors and trained on the mat at RDCA in the last two and a half decades. They are proud to continue this legacy today and pass on their knowledge to the next generation of future black belts and life questers. Join them for a free introductory class to kickstart your martial arts journey. You can call them at 305-365-0129 or visit their website at rdcamma.com. For more information, you can check out the show notes. So back to Jackie. You know, like I mentioned, Jackie has been around since 1975, and she also works at the Biscayne Nature Center. That's pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so exciting. <laughs> you okay. were highly recommended. Yay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have Jackie on the oh, show. Oh, my goodness. Yay. <laughs> Sorry, my seat's a little wet because I rode my bicycle here and um, it rained. Sorry. Oh, you got yeah. caught in the rain? No, it was probably my bicycle got caught in the rain. Oh. And then since I was running late, I just sat on it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's so, fine. Okay. So I just kind of like move around a little bit. So, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, so, so Jackie, since 1975, I'm sure you've yeah. seen the key change a lot since 1975. Yeah, it doesn't even, I mean, it's so different. Um, and I have friends who lived here even longer, but... <clears throat> Yeah, I just remember 75, 76, because that was the big bicentennial year. And it's yeah. funny because now we're approaching July 4th. And that was, you know, we used to, um, the whole thing was, um, you know, you decorate your bicycle. And so <laughs> for some reason, I don't know, my mom thought we should look like pilgrims or something. Yes. And so yes. my sister and I, we went all out with these long dresses. Ima in the, imagine in the heat. I mean, and then, yeah. you know, put red, white, and blue uh, ribbons all over our bicycles, and we just ride in the bicycle in the, in the parade. So it was a lot less complicated. I don't even know how it worked, you know, <laughs> like, just show up at one time. And it was in, you know, but there's some great pictures that are passed around about that year. Hello, Crow one. The cool, yes, please. Yeah. Because I was about to ask yeah. if you had a picture to share with us. Uh, so the cool thing about the 4th of July parade is that anybody's welcome to join it and they still do that. I never remember yeah. also me being in a bike with the, with the, I think at the time was the Academy of Martial Arts. We, they invited us to do the, the bike. So uh -huh. I had my bike and I had bags of candy and we were throwing the candy out. And, and what was that a while ago or cause now oh, yeah. we're not allowed to. I was, I was a, I was a child. Oh, okay. I there you go. A, yeah. A, and then they made it so you can't throw stuff. Yes. Then they made it that you can't. You know, um, blast people with cold water. 
Yes, I'd say yes. I kind of feel guilty about that because I think it was my fault. Because, I mean, actually, no, it was kind of like, I had a girl, well, okay, Nelson Zambrano, don't be mad at me, but, um, so I had a Girl Scout troop, right, and we were right behind the Girl Scout, but right behind the Kira float, and um, so that's just a prime target, right? For me, growing up on the Kira, like, I think it's funny, but um, some of the girls in the troop and their moms didn't think it was funny, but we got slammed with the high-powered um, freezing cold water bottles. Uh-huh. So I, you know, my girls count too, because at the time they were probably like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And um, yeah, so they were screaming. So it was a, kind of like mm-hmm. a scene out of the, um, out of like a Caddyshack movie where everyone's like, ah, and then suddenly, and then all the girls go, that came out and stuff. But where did the where did the water come from? Oh, from the Kirat float. From the okay, yeah. okay, got it. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe the judges saw it, or somebody complained. It wasn't me. And then it seemed like the next year they um, stopped the cold water guns. I wouldn't say it was even like squirt gun. <laughs> yeah, they were like these pumps. Yeah, and it was freezing, which is I don't know. That's just part of growing up on the key, like that kind of you know. You just got, you know, yeah. shaving cream in your face. I don't know. Um, just I think they <laughs> still roll with the, it. The shaving yeah. cream and the toilet paper is is, is a thing. Yeah, because they're so I've... fragile now. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So fra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. When I was uh, preparing Jackie's intro, I asked her, "Do you want me to refer to you as Kirat or Kim oh, Scanner?" Yeah. And she said, "No, a Kim Scanner preferred." Yeah, because apparently back in the day, Kirat was he was known as a, as a as a oh. no fun person. Or something. Well, well, no, okay, so all right, you're like my psychiatrist now. Okay, so <laughs> the thing is, so I was in awe of Mr. Foster, who was this PE the PE teacher, the PE teacher. Okay, and people who are listening who know know. I mean, he seemed like he was like eight feet tall. He wore this like white jumpsuit and a hat. Anyway, P teacher and a whistle and a stopwatch, and he was the president of the Kiviskin Athletic Club or the founder, everything athletics, which was me. So he was like, did not Kirat know bad because Kirats were like they'd cause trouble. Cause trouble. <laughs> you had to do mm-hmm. like you had to do certain things to become a Kirat. Um, you had to do certain things to become a Kirat. Yeah, no way. Honestly, there was like a like a. Uh... You know, I'm going to take the fifth because. I just can't go down this road. Anyway, okay. okay. So, um, yeah, one of them I know is caught like running through Shady Grove, which is kind of a scary place because now it's the Village Green. It's all nice and cute. Oh, with but the coconut, back then the coconut it was, a tree plant or something. Yeah, it was the Vivi Rebozo property that was like a I don't know never ending nursery for coconut palms. Something you know, like that. yeah. This is my history of things. Like I don't know, this but they good. called it uh-huh. Shady Grove and probably homeless people in there, but people built little forts and stuff like that. I don't know. But one of them, you had to, it would make your life so much easier if you were walking down Fernwood and you need to go to Crandon, you could just cut across. But back then was like, no, you're going all the way around because no way was I going to cut through that anyway. Got it. So that's just how I remember it. So I'm sure there'll people be listening who will correct me, but that's just how I remember it because I don't know, I was seven or eight years old back then (laughs) so anyway 
<laughs> so what are what are other, I guess, uh, childhood memories you recall from your early days here in the Key? For for me, maybe a little bit different than my friends, my parents, um, <clears throat> they just loved living on an island and they loved the ocean. So my dad was a big sailor. He had been in the Navy. Um, and my parents actually, the first three years of my life, we actually spent on Easter Island, which is Rapa Nui now. So um, then they made the big mistake of moving to New York, New Jersey, you know, <laughs> yeah. then, and then they didn't like it there. Chicago um, also, I think my dad was with American Express. And then, <clears throat> then we found our way to Miami. And then my parents found out about Kiva skiing. So every weekend we were on the beach and um, we just used to snorkel um, all the time. The beach was really different than it is now. Um, and my dad used to fish and he would go out late at night with a net and catch blue crabs and he used to bone fish. And we would, my sister wasn't really like um, into that kind of stuff. Um, and so, so I would just do everything with my dad, go out to the beach and, um, you know, kind of learn, you know, like learn by, um, I don't know, being pinched or hooked by something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I had a flipper in my face, knocked off my mask. Like that's, that's what I remember a lot. But, um, but what's cool was that, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, ecologically, it probably wasn't the best thing, but there was the seawall, right? And I, I've tried to explain it to people that, that didn't grow up with it, but say you went to the beach by the Commodore Club, right? Okay. And then there was this stairs, you go up the stairs, and that was, I think, the island house. And then you come down the stairs, and then you'd hit this long seawall. It kind of had some barnacles on it. <clears throat> I don't know, maybe it was like um, okay. two feet wide, mm -hmm. right? And you'd walk down, and you just walk that thing forever, and the water came right up to it. So when you sat on it, you you could sit on it with your mask and uh, snorkel and your flippers and just right into the deep sea. And there was so much to see, you know, there were all these little reef fish and everything. And so we would have this inflatable little zoac, um, zodiac and we just push it over the wall with mask and, you know, uh, snorkel and flippers and just spend the whole day out there, you know, looking at stuff that was really different. So, I mean, it's better now, sand, I guess. But the seawall? Yeah, because it was, at one point, um, I don't know, it was like the sand was more towards the Commodore Club down to the cabanas, you know? That was all sand, right? Okay. And then the rest to that, to say like the beach club, that was the seawall, little sand, <laughs> abandoned you know, those little houses that were part of the Key Biscayne um, Hotel. Okay. So you were always kind of poking in the windows. What's in there? I don't know. <laughs> so, and then and then at one point, the water got so high, like it was impossible to walk down to the lighthouse. So like, I remember I went away to college, I think, and they came back and they had put in the sand. And um, I remember calling up my, my friend, Terry White, who's still we're still neighbors. Um, and we were like, oh my gosh, we can walk down to the lighthouse. So <laughs> we did this uh, big walk down to the lighthouse. <laughs> wow. I can, yeah. I, I cannot, yeah. in, I cannot vision a, a seawall there. Yeah. And, but now we have the beach, uh, which has been, you know, re multiple yeah, times. One but time I remember Paul Zuccarini posted something 
um, that said, like, anybody who knows what this is, you know, <laughs> and it was like, I guess, one of those storms where the maybe the seawall had been covered up. So it's under there okay, somewhere. So, so yeah. right now, if it's, we, it's we, if we look for it, there's yeah. a seawall. Okay, so it wasn't removed. Yeah, so I don't know if it was broken up. Mm. Somebody knows. But it's he discovered a piece of it kind of by, I think, the Ocean Club beach area. So I was like, see, I'm not making this up. There was a seawall. It is real. <laughs> yeah. It is real. It's on the seawall. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh. So you mentioned that your sister wasn't a big fan of doing those things. So you spent yeah. a lot of your uh, yeah, I, all this time with your it's dad. So, it's so funny because all of this is coinciding because I recently spoke at the school board meeting. So I was thinking about my sister because my sister was just a big reader. <laughs> and yeah. so she was reading chapter books in kindergarten, which now would be like, oh, my God, what would you do with a kindergarten who read chapter books? You know, you can't read. There's nothing you can read. It's all been taken away. I don't know. <laughs> so, she, they used yeah. to like, I remember she had, Mrs. Carpenter was her kindergarten teacher and they should just set her up with this little like soft area corner and she could just read her chapter books in kindergarten all day long. But, you know, not me. I was more of like um, sports, you know, um, we had amazing PE back then. That's for sure. Good PE yeah, classes great back in the PE day. classes, Yeah. They, he set up this kind of like mini Olympics. <laughs> every every yep. PE was like, yeah, I mean, long jump, standing broad jump. We used to do this thing where you would, um, it was a high jump with the bar, the metal bar, and you'd run, you know? Yes. You didn't use the, the stick to lift you over. I don't know. <laughs> you just judged it, you know? And then you just, it was the most exciting thing ever. And then over the weekend, I guess he'd put the big paddy thing, the big, I don't know, mattress <laughs> in the courtyard of the elementary school. So we would all climb, I know, it's bad. We would climb the up to the roof of the school and then we'd actually jump off the roof of the school onto the pad thing. Okay. I'm gonna blame Mike Smith anyway, and jump onto that. We would just do that all the time, and that's just one of those funny things we all talk about now. Like parents, I don't know. <laughs> like, see you when the sun comes down, whatever. <laughs> well, they say. Yeah. I've I've heard a lot of. Yeah. I'm not gonna use the word adults, but I've held other. I've I've heard from from others that uh, back in the day things were much funner. When there were not that many rules, I'm sure you can't do that right now. I'm sure right now it will be a impossible because of the new school is too high. Mm -hmm. But you know, jumping on the roof right. and jumping off will be tricky, especially with the parents. And yeah, now there's you know like a real police squad here. <laughs> so it, That's right. <laughs> they know everything, um, and there's yeah, there's so much more you know private private lots. Private. There was always empty lots. You know, somebody would rig a rope swing, Mac Easton, and um, you would just, you know, do that. And now that I always think this is so funny, how you found out when and where to meet, I don't even know, you know, there was- no Oh, like how do you, hey guys, let's meet at Sweet yeah, Pizza no, at four. I don't even know, you know, it's like bees. They just know, and then we just find each other. So that was fun. My kids love when I tell stories about that. You know, like even as you get older, you, you would say like, okay, we're gonna meet somewhere, um, you know, 
I'd meet up with my friends in DC and we'd just meet at one place and people would actually show up. <laughs> you, know? yeah, you, so. you can't bail. <laughs> now, I think that's the thing with cell phones. It, it makes it so much easier to bail. Like, oh, sorry, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now. Yeah, without the cell phone, you can't be yeah. like, hey, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be late, or I'm not gonna make it. You can't do that because we're. You got, you know, people are waiting for you, right? You're gonna show up. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of keep that motto. Show up. Awesome. Invite me somewhere. I'll show up. So tell me about your work at the Biscayne Nature Center. Yeah, I started um, working there. It's officially been a year. <clears throat> I was on the board for a long time, like ten plus years, and um, so I've just been doing a little, I guess, job hopping. <laughs> so I. Um, so yeah, so I, I was part owner and manager of the Key Biscayne Soccer Club for like 10 years. And then during COVID, um, stopped to make a long story short, and then, um, started working for the Coral Gables Community Foundation. Super okay. interesting. Learned a lot of interesting things about funds and, um, you know, just the whole, another community, right? Interesting. Um, and then, um, I started working so at, to manage the summer camp at the Biscayne Nature Center. And so now here I am a year later. Um, and summer camp is just the best time of the year. It's really fun. We um, fortunately are able to give many scholarships. Um, so we have a great diversity of kids, which is I think my favorite part about Miami, the diversity of our demographics. Scholarships to attend the summer camp. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have um, we have scholarships throughout the eight weeks, and um, the final four weeks is a full scholarship. It's called Michael's Magic Camp. Okay. Um, um, in part due to the Schultz family, who are also longtime Key Biscayne residents. Um, their son um, Michael passed away um, in the early two thousands, and um, so the family and friends started a fund. With the Coral, uh, with the Key Biscayne Community Foundation, to um, yeah, to start this camp scholarship called Michael's Magic Camp, and um, so the last eight weeks um, this year will be dedicated to mostly fourth graders from Charles Hadley Elementary School, um, but right now we have a mix of scholarship camps, scholarship uh, campers, and um, paid campers, and we're having a blast. It's just, they're having so much fun. They, you know, it's a, it's a long day. <clears throat> so it's from uh, nine to five. We have a great team. We have many of our counselors are um, studying marine biology at Rasmus or FIU. And um, so they really get in it with the kids, identifying all the creatures in the seagrass. We do uh, coastal ecology. Um, Oh my gosh. So every morning snorkeling, swimming, incredible art with an artist named Jackie Rausch. And um, we do yoga. We do music with this um, this guy you have to have on the show sometime, Grant Livingston. Okay. He sings all these songs about South Florida nature, which is really awesome. I'm trying not to get one of the songs I have right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> come Hallelujah. You gonna start singing? Yeah, for free. Lionfish. Um, <laughs> they're dangerous. Lionfish menace. And these are um, his songs. That he's these are his songs. Yeah, 
And so through songs, they start to learn all this stuff. You know, what are invasive species? You know, Maluka. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, okay. he's great. You got to, you know, what come the next time he's singing, you'll love it. He's is, he's fun. Is he there every day? Or every like every or week. Every or... every week he comes. That's you this year. Every he's here every week. So, um, anyway, camp is a blast. Um, and the nature center is a beautiful place to be. And I've been there. so, yeah, it's 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 been really nice to kind of come full circle working there. Again, I remember going to field trips um, when I was a kid. The nature center wasn't there. It was, um, I think, from what I understand, it was, um, I don't remember specifically. I just remember, this is the best part. I remember they said, ride your bicycle to school today. We're going, you know, on a nature field trip. So everyone would actually bring, make sure they rode, I mean, everyone rode their bikes to school anyway, but you know, definitely this day. So you know, we'd ride our bikes to um, the end of Crandon Park, right? Okay. And then leave our bikes. And then, um, yeah, and then I, I, I definitely remember we would take, you know, a long walk down the coast and into the mangroves. And there was, um, I think they ran it through the concession stand. And then at one point they had... Um, a trailer, and then finally built this the beautiful building we have today. Okay. So, but I I definitely remember those field trips. So that was I've always been connected to nature. So um, so it's really nice to you know be there. The Academy of Martial Arts in Key Biscayne, more commonly known as RDCA, is proud to have served this island paradise for 27 years. RDCA is a family-run business headed by Sensei Robert Dusoglu with his daughter and son, Morgan and Derek, both senseis as well. They use the martial arts, elite conditioning, and life quest, their guided self-enlightenment course, to forge a stronger you. With over 100-plus years of combined martial arts experience between the Dusoglu senseis, RDCA provides a holistic approach to self-defense, covering a unique blend of stand-up, close quarter combatives, technical groundwork, weapons training, and traditional forms. Over 3,000 students have walked through the doors and trained on the mat at RDCA in the last two and a half decades. They are proud to continue this legacy today and pass on their knowledge to the next generation of future black belts and life questers. Join them for a free introductory class to kickstart your martial arts journey. You can call them at 305-365-0129 or visit their website at rdcamma.com. For more information, you can check out the show notes. So I guess for, for those that haven't been to the nature, uh -huh. like I, I've been there, I'm familiar, I took a tour once and it's, it's very nice. Very yeah. nice. Also, you have the paths. What would you recommend maybe someone who hasn't been there, who wants to go for the first time, how can they experience that whole nature center? Well, I definitely think just go to, into the gallery and take an like take an hour and actually read everything. <laughs> so just go into the gallery. They have the maps, you know, uh -huh. so you can see the 165 acres and see all the cool trails you can explore. And um, then, you know, there's a display case of all the different kinds of, um, you know, life. Mm -hmm. uh, that is there, marine life, bird life, uh, reptiles. Um, I'm just, it's interesting because everything there has been there at one time or another, right? Okay. So, so there, that's interesting. Then 
on the other corner is the story of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, right? So learn about her life, which is really interesting. Um, you know, she she came here to Miami. That's what they called it back then. Miami. Yeah. Um, you know, her her father was a newspaper man. You know the whole story. But I, what I love is that, you know, she just began to. This is someone from the Northeast, and she began to really to to study the layout of the land and and um, became, you know, a naturalist and really saw what was going on and, um, you know, especially with the Everglades and and then eventually with Bear Cut Preserve and began to teach people to see, to see our environment in a new way, you know, through her story. She was an incredible writer. Um, so our executive director, um, had the opportunity to actually get to know her pretty well. And so we really honor her legacy at the Biscayne Nature Center. And then we move into the aquarium, the okay? Aquarium. And there you'll see it's kind of set up to look like uh, a mangrove, you know, so you would see um, examples of all of the reef fish that we have. And then we have a touch tank as well. And the touch tank is actually kind of my favorite part because I kind of equate it to like uh, Roman times. Okay. Crazy things happen in that touch tank. <laughs> like, there's this um, sea cucumber, for example, who's been there like six years. How? He survives everything. He outmaneuvers everyone else, you know? The hermit crabs, the starfish, the, the brittle star, um, there's some new baby um, horseshoe crabs. Is it the, the sea cucumber that has survived? Does it have a name? Um, you guys named it or no? We don't. You know, I don't think we've named it. We don't try to. Maybe everyone to has a different name for it in their mind. But I tell people, this is what I say. I go, if we're not careful, one day this is all we're going to be eating. <laughs> and you hold up the sea cucumber. <laughs> so, oh, yummy! Yeah. So there's that. Um, but it just cracks me up because um, lately I've been really fascinated by hermit crabs. I mean, I've always liked them my whole life with their little blow pincher, you know. But um, yeah, so I think it was like on Radiolab, I heard this incredible story about this woman um, trying to raise hermit crabs and no other scientist in the world has been able to breed hermit crabs. So it's really interesting because if you think about it, I mean, here's this species that completely depends on another species, um, you know, thing that they've made, the shell, right? The gastropods, right? They make the shell. Um, then they leave the shell. They either get eaten or whatever. Um, and then the hermit crab moves into the shell, right? Mm -hmm. I just find that so fascinating. They find another shell. So, no, the gastropod dies. They don't move from shell. Like, that's their shell that they okay. make. You know, it starts off, like, little, and then... Okay. Yeah, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, think about anything from, um, you know, the smallest little snail to a conch, right? Big. And what was the name of it? Um, gastropod. Okay. Like, it's a soft-bodied... Basically, a marine snail, right? Soft bodied. So, so and the, they, they, so the shell that they make, uh, right? They make That's, the shell. They make the shell. And so, um, conch is an example, right? So, here, anyone listening, conch is conch, the animal, the shell is endangered. So, stop poaching it. 
Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I know people go to Bahamas and they eat it, but here in Biscayne Bay, you know, okay, um, stop taking them. <laughs> and, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a serious problem. Yeah. Okay. Because they actually take um, 10 to 15 years to actually get kind of that size where we know them as. Okay. Um, so it's not, it takes a while, right? And if you keep poaching them, then there's going to be none left. Um, so, so you were going back to the gastropod. The gastropod makes a shell, mm -hmm. and then it's it's taken once a once. So the some, sometimes is done. the shell gets you know rather large, but sometimes it stays small, right? And that's what the hermit crab is looking for, um, because they don't get huge, you know. So I mean, hermit crabs are amazing. I digress, but um, somehow or another in hermit crab language, and you probably should just get a marine biologist in it because I. <laughs> I'm just someone who's grown up here. <laughs> I mean, I did I did do like a bunch of master naturalist classes, you know, but I just kind of <laughs> talk about things that fascinate me. Um, but the, so hermit crabs have this hermit crab language, right? That they actually communicate with each other to line up. Like, okay, it's time to, you know, switch houses, you know, and they actually move in and out of the shells to find the one that's just right. They so, they so, work together. So so wait, you're, you're telling me you're telling yeah. me that they they gather in a line like, in, in a, a line. line. Time to switch. Yeah. Maybe your house. Yeah, is, I, there must be a boss man there who's making the like decisions because somebody loses out. So oh, if you think about it, <laughs> there's a loser. And so someone is like, ah, I'm the shell, and then ah, has to run around because they will they'll get eaten. It's it's. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So um, that soft body, the, the 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 back. It's not a tail. It's just the thorax, the whole backside. I actually have a picture. I'll show you later. But it's pretty cool. It actually it's okay. I, I should tell you why because um, um, to give cred to these girls um, from Carrollton who found a, a crab in a in a Corona bottle actually at the beach club. And they, so they brought it in to the nature center and um, they were very upset that the poor hermit crab was stuck in, I say stuck, right? In the Corona bottle. But, but we were like, hmm, but it's alive. It looks very healthy. So we just, we, we said, okay, we'll take care of it. So we put it in the touch tank, you know, where, where all interesting things happen and we laid it down. And then sure enough, watched it come all the way out, had a couple little houses, little casitas ready for him to move into, right? Watched him come all the way out, look around, we're like, oh, get out, come on, come on, come on, come on, and then go all the way back in and then realize, wow, he likes the Corona bottle. It's like 360, 24 seven, he's looking around, he sees everything, you know, <laughs> and then go back out, but then dragging that bottle. <laughs> So overnight, because all things happen at night, you know, he moved into another shell. Uh, and then another shell, another. He's the most active hermit crab I've ever seen because he was used to probably a year or two with 24-7 light. And when you're in a, a proper shell, you get some darkness, you know. <laughs> you need a little time out, hermit crabs, you know. They sleep. They must. I mean, they're always like, and they put their big claw, cover their face. Yeah, their eyes. But this one, you have to come by and see his 
before he gets eaten. <laughs> his his eyes are like really like usually their antenna their their eyes are more like this, and this one his eyes are like like that. Like yeah. you see everything, you know. <laughs> Maybe we should have He's, him on the show or. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm trying to get him to move into... I actually bought this really cool um, glass shell that this artist uh, I found makes in Vermont for that purpose so that you can see the whole body of the hermit crab. And he went in there for 24 hours, and then I think he didn't like getting picked up all the time. So move shells. Oh, because you, once you... was, I mean, with the glass shell, you were uh, able to see... You can... The kids see, can so see the whole... Yeah, the, like that, the yeah. whole body, you know, because you only see the claws and the eyes, you know, but when you see how vulnerable they really are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> anyway, a day in the life at the Biscayne Nature Center. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Nature Center is, is pretty cool, and then... And uh, it's it's a fresh, a beautiful space to be at. Definitely, yeah. I know enough people don't come just to chill. You don't have to do seagrass adventure, coastal ecology, hiking. Like you can just go and chill. And there's a so one area when you when you first come in, um, it almost says meditative garden. It's got beautiful gumbo yep. limbo trees yep. and and benches, and you can just you know. We were talking about mosquitoes before. You have to just yeah, meditate past the mosquitoes. Yeah, exactly. Just the mosquitoes past are, mosquitoes, are there, right? They got their purpose. The yeah. Just, you are like a supreme meditator. I think a sign. Yeah, I, I think it's a proud whatever to just, I'm a Miami person. Mosquitoes don't bother me. Like you get, when, like when you're a kid, I think you get bit, you get a reaction, but you can get bit enough and then you don't get a reaction. That's, that's where I am for a long time. I mean, I'm like, eh, you know. So what is a, as a, as a closing question. Okay. Show here. Thank you right. so much for, for jumping on the show and telling us your story. Just a fraction of, <laughs> of your story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what is, what is a perfect weekend for you and your family here in the Cape? Um, okay. So it's, it's a little weird, probably a little dark, but um, I'm, my perfect weekend would be that somehow I've managed to get all of my kids you know, um, at home, right? Maybe I made them bagels or something and I've guilted them all to spend the morning with us, right? And my husband, Joe. And um, suddenly there's a torrential rainstorm. You can't leave the island. <laughs> so they have to stay. <laughs> they have to stay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and we all just hang out and watch the, you know, I love storms. Um, I'm on the fifth floor and I just love, watching huge storms come in not hurricane but yeah. huge storms right and um and uh, yeah ideally the lights wouldn't go out but it's enough of a downpour and you know how it goes last maybe like two hours and then we've had a good time <laughs> and then they can leave the island if it's not too flooded right mm -hmm. so um that would be awesome <laughs> Rainy days in the key are nice, and yeah. I know what you mean. I, I also lived in, in in a building and watching the storms come in. Uh, it's very nice. So I, I know yeah, I just love watching all that water come in. You're just like, wow, this is awesome! All this fresh water, you know. And oh, wait, and you see the clouds yeah. turning. And they mean like my, my rain barrel is filling up. Yes, yeah. so exactly. Have a rain barrel? I do because I'm on the rooftop. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, I have a rain barrel, and then I also have kind of buckets around to kind of. Make it go into the rain. 
Good, good, good. And then if I get a clean catch, you know, um, like stuff hasn't slid from the roof or something, I love to wash my hair in um, the rainwater. It's very good for curly hair. Okay. So there you Anyone hair. out there? You heard that. it here. Okay. Rainwater is good for curly hair. Yes. Makes it nice and soft. <laughs> well, Jackie, it has been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. For oh, thank you. Story. It's fun. You're, you're a good, um, what would you call it? A good a interviewer, host, yeah, fun. Whatever. Yes, dude. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The Academy of Martial Arts in Key Biscayne, more commonly known as RDCA, is proud to have served this island paradise for 27 years. RDCA is a family-run business headed by Sensei Robert Dusoglu with his daughter and son, Morgan and Derek, both senseis as well. They use the martial arts, elite conditioning, and life quest, their guided self-enlightenment course, to forge a stronger you. With over 100-plus years of combined martial arts experience between the Dusoglu senseis, RDCA provides a holistic approach to self-defense, covering a unique blend of stand-up, close-quarter combatives, technical groundwork, weapons training, and traditional forms. Over 3,000 students have walked through the doors and trained on the mat at RDCA in the last two and a half decades. They are proud to continue this legacy today and pass on their knowledge to the next generation of future black belts and life questers. Join them for a free introductory class to kickstart your martial arts journey. You can call them at 305-365-0129 or visit their website at rdcamma.com. For more information, you can check out the show notes.